0: following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motuker Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available at 1000 Romans chapter 13. Pastor is going to be continuing his series in the book of Romans. Such a wonderful, practical chapter, so deeply built upon every verse of every chapter that preceded it in the book of Romans. Going to be reading this morning verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 10. As you're ready to turn there, just as a reminder, um, our faith family locations during the week uh, on wednesdays as a church we're spread out all over the city and our drivers drive a lot during the week and during on sunday on wednesday evenings at 7 p.m we have a group that meets here you're welcome to come to that one we have a group that meets at brother eric's home in hanawabata and then we have a group that meets at sister rachel's home in barocco Uh, Sister Rachel's is located right there at the first bus pull-off after the bus stop past the mobile station. Brother Eric's house, you can see Brother Eric how to get there, but we try to make it convenient where you can come. It is a great time of fellowship. It's a great time in the Word. It is a great time to pray together for our church and for our city and our nation. And so I invite you and encourage you to come and be involved in those. Romans chapter 13, we're going to read verses 8 through 10 beginning in verse 8. The Bible says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Thank the Lord for his word.
1: Bibles, This morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 13, and if you also want to go ahead and grab 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and Romans chapter 1, you can just drop a piece of paper into those other places. We'll be in Romans 13 for the majority of our time together, uh, but we'll also have a look at 1 Corinthians 13 and Romans chapter 1. We continue our walk through the practical portion of Romans 12 to 15. As a reminder that chapters 12 to 15 are based upon. They are the practical portion that outflows from what we believe that we find in Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11. Remember, your actions are rooted in your beliefs. You believe first and then you act. You will not act long if you do not believe. So do not take today's sermon or any of the sermons that we have in Romans 12 to 15 as meaning I just need to add these new actions to my life. No, change your beliefs and then there will be a transformation, namely your belief in the gospel, what has God done in your life, and then there will be a change that will flow out in your life. Use these practical sermons from chapters twelve to fifteen to be a mirror upon which you can look at and see: Am I lining up with what Scripture says I should be doing? If you're not, then there's a good chance you need to go back to Romans one to eleven, realign your beliefs. And so, as we come into chapter thirteen and verse, today our passage will be verse eight down to verse ten. I'll just go ahead and jump into the verse, because the verse starts with something that is not really the point of the passage. So I want to go ahead and touch it, since the Scripture touches it, and then we'll get into the point of the passage. So look at chapter 13 and verse eight. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. The point of the passage is to love one another. But notice that there is a phrase, oh, no man, anything. And so this sermon is not a sermon on your finances. However, because the phrase is used, I'll go ahead and touch it. I think that one of the things that is destroying our families is our inability to live within our means. Here's what I mean by that. I see something, I want it, that is covetousness that dwells up within me. I want it, therefore I get it, because I have a way to get it. But really, I haven't figured out how this whole thing called a budget works. A budget, by the way, is very simple math. Your income must be more than your expenses. If you spend more than you make, you will be upside down and you will owe. Notice the phrase, oh no man, anything. But because covetousness is within our lives, covetousness causes us to do things and think things and act certain ways. I see a big screen TV, I want it. I want a game system. I want a new phone. I want a pair of Stockman's, or you got Stockman's finished, you need R.M. Williams. Uh, Or I see... Something that I don't have and I end up spending on it. And then that places me in a position where I'm in a hurt other areas of my finances. So then I end up going and giving a large percentage of my money to the market mama. Guys, just take away from the beginning of this, oh, no man, anything. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, the borrower is servant to the lender. Live your life simple math. Don't turn it into rocket science. It's simple math. Make more than you spend. You need to spend more, make more. Can't make more, stop spending more. It's very simple math. But somehow we turn it into rocket science by going and taking out a denial from the market mama, and then we have to figure out how to fit that one into our budget. And next thing you know, you have a market mama paying off a market mama. And then you come to Fortnite and they start ringing you and now you got to buy a different phone (laughs) because you're tired of them calling you. Live life simple. Oh, no man, anything. But the point of this passage is not your finances. It does make the statement, oh, no man, anything, but to love one another. In other words, there is a debt that you will need to pay but you will never be able to pay it off entirely. Maybe you can just let this statement at the beginning drift in and and let it settle. This is a debt that you cannot pay entirely, but it is a debt that you should be paying on daily. I'll say it again. This is a debt that you cannot pay off entirely, but it is a debt that you should be paying on daily. Within the context of Romans chapter 13, You remember last week was our attitude towards government leaders. You can see in verses 6 and 7 who we owe within that context. We owe tribute. We owe custom. We owe fear. We owe honor. So owe those and pay them off. Give your taxes. Pay your taxes. Those who who should be getting honor and respect... Give those things. Pay them off and be done with them. But then there is a greater debt that you can never pay off entirely. And that's seen in verse 8. Owe no no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So you are in debt. You'll never stop paying this debt. You cannot pay it off entirely. You should be paying it daily. You owe nobody anything except love that should be coming out of your life. And by the way, he says at the end of verse 8, when you show love, you fulfill the law. I've got a couple of questions that I'll use to outline this passage, and I hope that the larger part of this sermon at the end will be helpful. I want to be very practical with how you can love others we'll see that towards the end. First off why? Number one why? Why do I owe this debt to others? So he says here, owe oh, no man anything but love. And so the question would be why? Why do I owe them love? Let's let's be honest, other people are not showing you love. The old man's way of thinking is I will show you respect when you show me respect. I will show you kindness when you show me kindness. You show me love, I'll show you love. And yet he does not say here wait until they show you love to show them back. He says just do it. Oh no man anything except for love. Just pour it out. So that gives me a question. Why? Why, Paul? Why? Why do I have to have this debt hanging over my head? They don't show me love? I'm not going to show it back. That's how my old man thinks. But remember, you've been transformed by the Gospel. There should be a difference in your life because of what's happened in your heart. By the way, this command comes out many times throughout Scripture. I'll give you several of them. Philippians 1. the church at Philippi this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment he says it in Colossians 3 and verse 14 above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness you want to have perfectness in your life put on charity let love be the mark of your life first Peter 1 and verse 22 see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently here's John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. By the way, 1 John 4 is filled with commands about love. Verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that is lov- that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. You don't show love to others, you don't love God. That's what he just said in 1 John 4, 8. Those are pretty sobering words. He that doesn't show love to others, actually doesn't love God. Those are sobering words. A few verses later, First John 4, verses 10 and 11, he says, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us, and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the gift that turns away His own wrath. God gave that gift so that we would not be under His wrath. That's love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So I asked you to have 1 Corinthians 13 as well. So if you want to jump over to 1 Corinthians 13, this is the chapter quite often known as the chapter of love. If I were to give an answer simply from 1 Corinthians 13 to our question, the overarching question, why do I owe this debt of love to others? First off, I would say it like this without love, I'm useless. Without love, I'm useless. He's going to say that five times in these first three verses. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am... Nothing, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Though five times he says it, if I have the tongue of men and angels, if I could speak the sixteen thousand known languages on the planet, and add to that, I'm able to speak. Here I'll go ahead and bring in one that some of our other denominational friends like to use. Talk place below heaven. I know that one too, but I don't have love, I'm wasting my time. I'm useless. And though, he says another time there, though I have the gift of prophecy, if I could give out prophecies, uh, J. Barton Payne outlined in all of Scripture 1,800 different prophecies. If I could give all of those prophecies and I knew them and every single one of them and what they meant... It does no good for the church if I don't have at the foundation love for my brothers and sisters. Though I have the faith to move mountains, you remember all you needed was the faith the size of a mustard seed. You could say to that mountain, be removed and go into the sea. He goes, if you could actually do that in your life and say, hey, mountain, get in the sea. Everybody on the planet would go, hey, we need that guy to come here. He goes, if you don't have love, Useless. Though I give my body to be burned, if I'm going to be a martyr, give my body over, let them kill me, but I don't have love, I'm useless. Love, will, a lack of love will undermine the greatest deeds that a man can do. Oh, you've got to have it. It should be a mark of your life, believer. He goes on to describe it, verses four to seven. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. It's hard to define love, it's hard to define it. But it's easy to see it when you see it. I'll give you a positive. I'll give you a negative first and then a positive. Negative. You can see it with two little children. If you've got multiple children in your family, you have seen this happen. You've got two little children, and one grabs the toy and pulls it away from the other child. You would say to them, Don't do that. That's not loving. You need to be showing love. Okay, here's positive positive example of this. Every Sunday morning, Jeffrey and Elizabeth come in the church doors. I see Jeffrey there. Elka stop or I'm stopped at Children's church. It's in children's church, huh? Elka's there. Elka's here. Every Sunday. I don't Elka's gotta be maybe three years old. Elka, every Sunday morning, when they walk through the door, Elka, every week, she comes to me and she puts her arms out, and she gives me a big hug. I pick her up. Maybe you've seen me carry the little one around. I love that little kid. You know why? Because she just shows love. I don't know how to define that. I can't put it down on a piece of paper and and say, if you really love somebody, then it's going to be, put your arms around their neck. Because young men, if you come to me and give me a hug, we're going to be having problems, okay? But little one... Every time I see her without fail. If I don't meet her at the door, she finds me in the church building. Love. It's easy to see it. When you see it, you go, yes, that's love. It's hard to define it. So Paul just gives us a long list, and this is what it looks like. It bears all things, and it believes all things. It doesn't put itself first. See in verse 8, charity never fails Whether it be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether it be tongues, they'll cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Love doesn't end, it just keeps on going. Slide down to verse 13. And now abides faith and hope and charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Show love. Brothers and sisters, it's been commanded. And without it, I'm just simply useless. Come over to Romans chapter 1 and we'll get to see further. A little bit more detail to this idea of me being in debt to love others why why am i in debt the last time that paul used this phrase of being in debt we see it in romans chapter 1 and verse 14 I've asked you to turn to Romans 1 because I want you to see this in your Scriptures. Many times I'll put this on the board, but I want you to see this in the Bible. Look at chapter 1 and verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. In other words, every single human being on the planet, I'm a debtor to them. I owe them something. And so the question would be, what do you owe them, Paul? What are you owing them? So as much as in me is, verse 15, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he is a debtor. How is he going to pay his debt? He is going to pay his debt by sharing the gospel with them. That, by the way, is the most loving thing you can ever do Share the greatest news that ever came to the planet. Share the gospel with somebody else. That's a loving thing to do. Now listen, he didn't just wake up one morning and decide, now I'm going to be a debtor. So this is rooted in him receiving something. He received something that placed him in debt to others. And what did he receive? You can see it up in verse 5. It says, Jesus, verse 2, was the seed of David, and He was the Son of God, verse 4, He came back resurrection from the dead, and it was from Him, verse 5, that we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among the nations for His name. So what did Paul receive? He received grace. I might remind you that you and I also received grace. So where did this come from? God the Father sent the Son. That's grace. And the Son went to the cross. That's grace. And you will never repay that. It's impossible. In fact, if you try, it's no longer grace but works. You're never going to be able to repay Him. That's why I say it's a debt that you will never pay off and yet it's a debt that you should be continually paying on every day. You can't pay it back to Him, but you know what you can do? You continue to be an echo of Calvary. As He gave this grace to your life, let that love continue to flow on to others. Give that love from Him to others. It's been commanded, and oh, it's a debt that you cannot let go of. And without that love, you are simply useless. So how can I pay that debt? The second question. Come back to Romans chapter 13, and you'll see verses 8 to 10. I owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, he's going to give us five examples from the law. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet and if there be any other commandment, and you and I know that there are, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no, evil, no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So how do you keep the law? How do you pay that debt? With love. Let's just take a moment and walk down these. He gives these five examples. Thou shalt not commit adultery. By the way, the world has this mixed up. Your old man or the world might say something like we committed adultery because we were in love. And I would say no scripture says the exact opposite. In fact, you committed adultery because you did not love. See so how's that work? You did not love your spouse. You did not love your children. You did not love that other person's spouse. You decided instead that you are going to go your own way. You are going to break God's law. And you were going to consume upon your own lust. You see, if you really loved your wife, you wouldn't commit adultery. And if you really loved your children, you wouldn't commit adultery. If you really loved your husband, you wouldn't commit adultery. But you commit adultery because you love yourself. Thou shalt not kill A murderer takes the life of another person because he doesn't love an image-bearer of God. He decides that his life would be oh so much better if he could just off the life of someone else. There's no love. Thou shalt not steal. It's not yours. Love the owner of the thing so that he does not have to live the rest of his life with questions about what happened to my stuff. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Love them. Don't lie about them. Thou shalt not covet the things that your friend has. They belong to your friend. So love your friend. Be glad that he has them. You want a simple way to live? Love God, love others, and live life the way you want to live. But you have to start off with love God and love others. You might remember back in the 400's, a guy by the name of Augustine of Hippo, he made this statement. He said, love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. I want you to hear those words. If you love God, and you love others, all of the rest of the actions that you do will be in line with loving God and loving others because you don't want to offend the one who you love. Therefore, you will live life the way you want to live. Let me give you an example. I, This is me personally. I don't have a problem with stealing. To my memory, the last time I stole something, I think I was around eight years old. It was the guy who lived down the street. I can't even remember his name anymore. They had an apple tree in their front yard, and I went back and forth. I've shared that story with you before. Stole the apples right out of his yard. Brought them home, and God did a wonder on my heart. To my knowledge, I've not stolen since then, at least not on purpose. Why? Why? because I'm loving other people. It's not because I'm going through life going, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not steal. Hands, stop it. Eyes, quit coveting. No, it's I want to love other people. I don't want them to live their life in a way where they question whether or not they can trust me. I don't want them to live their life wondering where did my stuff go. I don't want them to live a life that thinks I can't be secure where I'm at. I want them to live a life where they know that they can trust being around me. So if I start with the premise, the foundation of love Him, then I don't have to worry about the fulfilling of the law. For love is the fulfilling of the law. So start with showing love. You'll see in verse 9, if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended, or otherwise it's summarized in this statement, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so you'll naturally keep the law when you live a life that says, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. It's a practical question here. How can I pay that debt? How can I pay that debt? Practically, spiritually, is answered from Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. I've got that verse on the board. You might remember Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that is given to us. So here you go. God gave me His grace. And at the moment that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus, He also gave me the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now indwells me. And because the Holy Spirit's in me, I now have the ability to show love to others because the love of God is being shed abroad in my heart and it's happening through the Holy Ghost who is in me. Brothers and sisters, this is a gift. God sent His Son, Jesus, and then He sent His Holy Spirit to indwell your heart and you can show love. How do I do it? I do it because the Holy Spirit's in me and I can do it as He sheds His love out through me to others. So we've seen why. Do I owe it? And how do I owe it? And now, thirdly, and this is the more practical portion of the sermon, we'll spend the rest of our time in this practice. How do I show love? If you're keeping notes, I might encourage you just to write down a single word or two words. There will be several of these. I don't want us to come into a passage like this and say things like we need to show love and then walk away thinking. It's some kind of a lovey-dovey thing where we just love one another, but we don't actually put this into practice. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you now that by the end I'm going to be asking you to be watching through this practical portion and perhaps maybe not take all of them, but if you'll take one or maybe two and put it into practice this week. That's where I'm headed to by the end of the sermon. I want you to have something practically that you can take and do this week. Show love. And so let's see. How do I show love? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 gives us this command Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. How do you show love? By forgiving. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So the same way that God has forgiven you as an echo of Calvary, you also can forgive others. I've heard people say things like this. He told me he was sorry, but I just can't forgive him. Forgiveness, friend, forgiveness does not mean that you go back to everything was perfect the way it was before. It does not mean that you now trust that person implicitly. By the way, trust is given. It's not earned. You bring your baby around me, and I ask you, can I hold your baby? You just give me the baby. You don't ask for a CV of how many babies I've held. Trust is given. But I drop your baby, you have no reason to ever let me hold your baby ever again in your life. Right? You follow me? So forgiveness means I'm never going to bring it up and use it against you again. I'm going to release you of this sin, and I'm not going to bring it up again. But it also doesn't mean that I go back to trusting you like I did before. I can forgive. I don't have to hold it over your head for the rest of your life. That's what love does. Love forgives. Not only forgive, you can endure. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know what forbearing is? It's putting up with. Because let's just be honest, there are some people in life that you just have to put up with. Forbear with them. At the risk of exposing, there's a young man in the school who every time he sees me, he wants to talk about video games. I will be honest with you, video games is the last thing I think about in my life. I do not have video games on my phone, I don't play video games at the house. Okay, one of my daughters loves to play video games, and so when I'm with her, I'll play a video game with her, that's for her, I have no inkling. There is a PlayStation at my house, you like, come kiss him, kiss him, I will not miss it. I don't care about video games, but every time I see this young man, he wants to talk about video games. And so you know what I do? Let's redirect this conversation so we're not talking about video games. But if I just cut him off and turn a blind eye and say, I don't want to talk to you because I know what you're going to talk about, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not showing him any love. So we put up with some people in their little quirkiness because it's love. Because there's something bigger at play here. Because if I do all of those things like give my body to be burned, and there's no love at the base of it, I'm useless. So we endure with others. We sacrifice. This is John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment. This is from Jesus. My commandment. That you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for His friends. And that's the demonstration of Christ's love for you and I. His sacrifice. And so I might just ask, friend, I might just ask, what kind of a sacrifice have you shown towards another brother or sister in Christ? Or another person who lives on your street? What kind of sacrifice have you shown towards them? I hear things, these are the things that as a pastor that my insides just twist over. And I don't know how to handle them, so I'll just kind of toss them out. It, I hear things like, I have to walk all the way to the bus stop on Sunday? Why can't the bus just come by and pick me up at my house? Could you just give a little bit of a sacrifice? You walk to the bus stop to go to work. You can walk to the bus stop to get to church. And just a little bit of a sacrifice to the rest of the body of Christ instead of making all of them drive out of their way to come to your house. Just a small sacrifice or a giving of your time to help some of our youth Brothers and sisters, hear this. We have maybe seven weeks remaining with Phil as our youth leader. Seven. And he's going to be gone. I love him and I'm going to miss him deeply. But I've got nobody to take the youth group after he leaves. Maybe we could have some people that would say, I'm going to sacrifice it won't be for a lifetime, but maybe for the next six months, or for this season, or a year. I'm going to serve the body. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to show love. Sacrifice. Not only does love sacrifice, love covers sin. Covers sin. This is 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, love, will cover a multitude of sins. He didn't just say, cover up sin. It will cover sin. Here's what what he means. There's safety in brotherhood. It doesn't mean somebody does some egregious sin and we're just going to cover it up and hide it and sweep it under the rug and hope it never happened. No, that's not it at all. For repentance is still a very big thing. But when someone comes to you and repents... Confess your faults one to another. The Book of James says. And so, when someone comes and confesses their sin and makes things right, you know what you don't do? You don't take that and put it on a billboard for people to see. Oh, look at the sinful person! No, love covers sin. There's safety in brotherhood. I'm going to walk with you through this repentance. I'm not going to share this abroad. I'll never repeat this sin to someone else for my own personal promotion. Love also serves others. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Love serves. Love looks for ways to serve. Last Sunday, after the service, we had a meeting for children's church workers. We desperately need people who will step up and help serve the church body in children's church. And perhaps you noticed this morning we don't have anyone to take the future youth group. So we're going to send the future youth group out into other groups. We need folks to serve out of love. I'll give you another example. This auditorium has sound issues. If you sit about halfway up and forward, you get to enjoy the sound that comes from these speakers. If you sit halfway back to the back, you know what I'm talking about. Because this room echoes sounds. Wednesday night, we experienced it. Braxton was preaching Wednesday night, Faith Family. I sat on the side here, and a little girl got up and went out and used the loo. She was coming back in, sound carries in this room. It just does. It's the way the room is set up. And as the young lady was coming back in, nobody heard her come through the door. She did such a very good job carefully coming through the door. But she was halfway down the steps and she made a noise. You know what noise she made? That was it. And that noise echoed through this room in such a way that almost every person present turned and looked at the person coming in. Now let's take that and amplify that. A visitor comes to church with a baby and has no idea that we have a children's church service. And yet, the visitor comes and sits through the service and tries everything they can to keep that crying child quiet. And yet, if we were to serve well, someone might just meet them at the door and say, hey, I'm so glad that you came. I love you and I love our church body enough to let you know, here we have Children's Church right here. And by the way, soon, Lord willing, we'll have a nursery as well. We're going to need people to staff the nursery. We won't open a nursery until we've got Children's Church staffed fully. But we can serve the body by looking for ways. Pastor, I'd like to help. I'd like to be a blessing and serve the body. We don't just come to church so that we can clock in and say, I went to church this week. We come to worship. And part of our worship is showing love to one another. And there's so many different practical ways that we can do it. And one of them being serving. I believe even this morning we were down two drivers. I think back years ago, we had multiple services and there was one Sunday when we had a guest speaker. I sat in the first service and during the second service, I drove one of the buses. And I remember people in the bus saying, Pastor, you're not supposed to drive the bus. I turned to them. I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm serving the body. I don't, I'm just going to sit through another service. I've already sat through one service. I'm not going to sit through another service. I'm going to serve the body. There's ways that you can serve. You can minister to needs. This is Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. So as you serve the body, church, God's not unrighteous. In other words, He sees it. Be comforted with these words. He said, nobody noticed that I cleaned the bathrooms after church. Thank you, Eric and Malong. Nobody notices that I do that. God did. He's not unfaithful to miss that. You've showed it toward His name You've ministered to the saints and you do minister. And when you learn that someone from within the church body is in the hospital, what do you do? Kevin and Harry are not here this morning because they're in the hospital with Keila. Keila, three years old, diagnosed this last week with tuberculosis. He has continually gotten more ill and more ill over the last six weeks. Perhaps, some people could take some food to their family in Boira. Because if I'm not mistaken, Raka, at 15 years old, is looking after the children. Kevin and Harry, sitting in the hospital, trying to keep their child alive. We as a church have helped them Maybe a visit to the hospital or a phone call or a Facebook message, something that would be an encouragement to those who are in need. That's ministering to needs. You don't have to be the pastor to minister. You can minister to the body. Show love. You can teach truth. It's a practical way to show love is to teach truth. This is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Teaching truth, you realize that you can speak the truth without love, right? That can be offensive. You can also just show love without the truth. And that's useless. But speaking the truth in love, I'll never forget several years ago on a Sunday morning, I came into church and Brother Phil asked if he could meet with me privately before the service. I'll never forget this moment. The week preceding, we had had someone who had tossed very inflammatory accusations at me personally. The pastoral staff knows about these things. When those sort of things happen, I share it with the pastoral staff. Very nasty things had been said about me personally that week, and I knew it was going to affect our church body. I shared it with the pastoral staff, and then that Sunday morning, as I was trying to prepare to preach the Word of God for the people of the church, I sent a message to the pastoral staff, and I said something along the lines, and it was so unloving, I said something along the lines of, could I please ask you men to take this issue off my plate? I want to focus on the people and not on this person. And I said something very unkind, something to the effect of, I'd appreciate if you men would address that person and just put him in his place. Phil met me at the door. He asked if we could meet. We went privately into an office. And with tears, he said, Pastor, I have to speak the truth in love. I said, Phil, what are you talking about? He said, I, he said I'm going to do this. And it's probably going to hurt. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to rip the band-aid off. I hope you don't mind. I said, rip the band-aid. It's okay. He said, the way that you're handling this issue is not with love. That was him speaking the truth in love. I could see in his face and in his heart that here he's broken over the fact that his pastor's not showing love to someone. Oh, that changed my heart on the matter. Speak, teach, in love. Another way that you can love is by being with other believers. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, so often we quote it, that we should assemble together but I want you to see verse 24 before you get to verse 25. Verse 24 says this, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So in other words, we're going to encourage one another towards love and towards doing good things. And we're going to encourage one another, how? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching we're going to provoke one another to good works how by being together it's hard it's hard for us to encourage one another to love others and to do good things if we're not physically together come into church on sunday for our hour our 51 minutes of exhortation from the word of god for our hour and 20 minutes together as a church body, for the extra 40 minutes in life groups, all of that is not so that we can just clock in and clock out and say, I've done my duty to God by going to be at church. No, it is so that we will provoke, encourage each other to love and to good works. We assemble for that reason because I want to see you loving others and you want to see me loving others. We're encouraging one another to do that and we're doing that by being together. And I'll give you a few more. These are just kind of rapid fire and I don't have any verses to go along with them. Maybe you could pick one and put it into practice this week. Write a note of encouragement. Write a note of encouragement. Just this last week, I've received three separate notes of encouragement. And those three spoke to my soul this week. I won't go into detail. The pastoral staff knows and Becky knows. Right now is a very dark season. I want to do my best to preach the Word and continue to feed our people those three notes this week, three notes of encouragement that I received meant the world to my soul. I don't normally get notes of encouragement. They don't normally come across my way. But this week I got three. And if you were one of the ones that sent it, thank you for being a God's... You can write a note of encouragement to someone. You can release a bitterness... That's loving. Bitterness. In love. You could reduce the demands on the people in your household. Dad, take a step back and realize that when you get home after your hard work day... Take a step back and realize that perhaps everything hasn't been just laziness at the house. Because your wife most likely had to get up in the morning after you went to work and maybe perhaps she spent a lot of time in getting the children ready for school and feeding them and sending them off and taking care of the little ones while those were off at school and maybe she spent a lot of time cleaning the house and cleaning the yard and trying to keep things in order and she has handled whatever shenanigans that have happened in the house line while you were gone and then you get home and dinner's not all the way prepared yet. Give her a break. And mom, when dad gets home from work, it is not your turn to clock out. Continue to serve the body. Be a blessing to your home. Cut a little bit of slack in the home. That's a loving thing to do. And young people hear me. When you get home, it's not your time to lock yourself away in a bedroom. Because mom and dad love you and care about you and want to spend time with you. And yet you think... All they're going to do is ask me about what I've done, so I'm just going to go lock myself away. Come on, give them a break. Imagine what would happen in the house, teenager, youth. Imagine what would happen in the house if you engaged in the house, if you showed up and put your school bag in the other room. Trust me, you don't have to study for seven hours tonight. I know it's the excuse you're using. Put the books in your room. Come back to the kitchen and ask mom. Blow her mind. You ready? Mom, what can I do to help? Your mom's mind will be blown. She won't know what to do. Cut some slack in the house. Show some love. Here's another one. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. These are things that are just coming out of your life because you've got some love that's at the basis. You've been commanded to love others. And if you're loving others and you start noticing people are doing things for me, I'm going to start making sure they know I appreciate it. So say thank you. Another one is perhaps you could be a financial blessing to someone this week. say, Pastor, that's what the church is there for. Don't wait for the church to find out about it because there was a request. Maybe you could be a financial blessing to someone this week. And if you want to remain an, we as a church would be happy to help facilitate that. But maybe there's somebody you could look around and you could see there's someone who's in need. So I want to close with a thought. You and I, believers, have been transformed by... Our lives are different. Our old man waits to return love until we've been given it, but our new man is going to start giving out love because we have been indebted to the one who has given us great love. In fact, you might remember the most famous memory verse in all of Scripture, John 3 and verse 16. I want you to help me with it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Do you see it? God gave His Son, and that's rooted in love. That's where you and I should be rooted. Rooted in love. Let your beliefs drop down in He's done much for me. Therefore, I'm indebted to the world. And by the way, it didn't just stop with the Father. It went from the Father to the Son, and from the Son it came to us. And you might remember Jesus at the Last Supper. This is John chapter 13 to 17, the longest discourse in the book of John. Jesus, with His disciples, it starts with, in John 13, it starts with, and He loved them to the end. And then all throughout, He talks to them of His love, and it finishes with His love. And here, just I'll take this one right out of John 15, the middle of it. John 15 and verse 9. As the Father has loved Me, Jesus says, as the Father has loved Me, so have I loved you. Continue in My love. Don't let it stop with you. You're not the end recipient. Let it flow out of you. And then he finishes in John chapter 17. These are his last words in that discourse before he steps out of the upper room and heads to Gethsemane. These are his closing words in the upper room. He says, O righteous Father, as he prays, the world has not known Thee, but I've known Thee. These have known that Thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them Thy name, and I will declare it that... The love wherewith thou hast loved me may be on them and I in them. So love is the basis upon which the father gave the son. The love is the basis upon which the son gave his life for you and I. Let love be the basis upon which you live your life. Do you want to live right? Do you want to fulfill the love? The law? Then love. close with an invitation, but not an invitation where I ask you to come kneel around the altar. I'm going to ask you if you will put one of these practical things into practice this week. I don't want you to walk away and just say, okay, yes, that was a good sermon for me to remember. I'm going to ask you to think I'm going to give a moment of silence before I pray. And I want you to think, during the moment of silence, I want you to think, I'm going to do this action towards this person. And I'm going to ask that it not be me. Don't send me a note of encouragement this week. You can, but send another one to somebody else. But please don't make your note of encouragement to Pastor Matt to be your act of love. Would you do that? Father, in these next few moments, I pray that we would take some of these practical things. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to endure. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to cover sin. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to minister to needs. I'm going to be with other believers. I'm going to write a note of encouragement. I'm going to release a bitterness. I'm going to reduce the demands within my household. I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to be a financial blessing. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters now as they put that into action. By this shall all men know that we are your disciples by our love. So, Lord, I pray that we would put love as the foundation for our lives. May we fulfill the law as a result of loving others. And, Father, again, we say thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we love you. May you be blessed.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 7009-1000. Again, it's 7009-1000.